Well, The Jamie Show. If you're listening to this show, that means you're ready for breakthroughs. This is where you'll get a deep dive view of relationships that work and relationships that are a no-no. Here's your host, Jamie Hirsch. Welcome our next guest is a nationwide speaker, certified dating and relationship coach, and author of Contagious Love. She's the Love Life Cheerleader, helping women who feel stuck and stagnant, building purpose and confidence in their relationships, dating life, and breakups. She has facilitated workshops for hundreds of people, been an expert speaker, featured on or in collaboration with Gravel, Milwaukee Bucks, Cosmopolitan, Bumble, a lifetime, and high-rated iTunes podcast. Her philosophy is that the most important relationship you have is with yourself, and it sets the tone for every relationship you have in your life. Hey, Carla. Hey, Carla. So great to have you on here today. So, hey, I am so curious about your work. What got you into this? Yeah, and that is the question that everybody always asks me is how does one become a dating and relationship coach? So I'm going to give you the very brief summary of why why one becomes a dating and relationship coach. And as I always say, it starts back with my childhood. So I had grown up with domestic violence. I had an abusive father. And as a result, I just didn't feel loved. I didn't feel worthy. I never felt like I was enough. And it came out over and over again in codependent, intimate relationships. And I just kept doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to be loved, expecting to be in an amazing relationship, have that destination. I've arrived. And it just didn't happen. And I was in my early 20s, and I was in an abusive relationship, and I saw two paths in front of me. It was one, choose the path of sabotage, which I'm already doing. So just keep going on this path, do the same thing over and over again, or choose the path of self-love and step into the relationship with myself. Learn what self-care, what self-love is, learn how to take care of myself, how to pick partners that are healthy for me, how to pick partners that I want. And so what I did is I ended that relationship. And as I always say, I picked the path of creating the most important relationship that I will ever have, which is with myself. And from there, I got certified to become a coach. I wrote my book, Contagious Love, Break Free from Codependency for Damn Good. And I do different talks and workshops nationwide. And I wanted to do all of this, become a coach, become a speaker, uh, do these workshops, write the book, because I felt like I couldn't have been this only person that was going through codependency, was going through abusive relationships, unhealthy, toxic relationships, and that I felt like in a way that I had gone through all of that in my path to bring me to help others who are healing and going through their journey as well. And so that is how one becomes a dating and relationship coach. Wow, and it's beautiful, right? So it's like you're solving a problem that you've been through. Mm-hmm, 100%. And the thing is, is that I always consider it a journey because there's no destinations in life. 
There's no destinations in relationships. There's no destinations in dating. You're always learning and you're always growing and you're always taking part of this journey of evolving as a person and learning about yourself and getting to know who you are at the core. And yeah, that reminds me, if there's a destination, right, and then what what's the point of living anymore, right? It's going to be same boring, right? <laughs> I mean, just like exactly. the world evolves. We weren't expecting a pandemic or in one, right? <laughs> the world's evolving. That, hey, if anybody out there is like, I don't know if I will ever meet the person of my dreams or if my current relationship is going to work out, is having any thoughts like that, just know that you probably couldn't have made up the pandemic. <laughs> so given that, I mean, you never know what's out there. Oh, and look boy. how much can change in just like two months, really. Oh, man. So. <laughs> Incredible. Now, what is codependency, Carla? What, is, what does that mean? There is no official definition of codependency. And I learned that writing my book, Contagious Love, which I was like shocked because I thought, wow, here's therapists. You know, people who are professionals in this space are telling you all about codependency, what this is. But I always say nobody could get their shit together and come up with a definition. So there are multiple definitions that are the same. And long story short, what it basically means is that you lose a sense of yourself to another person in a relationship. And up to 90% of us are codependent. Now, of course, this is a spectrum. So this can look like the person on one end who would like me, dating addicts of all different sorts, people with mental illness who aren't taking care of themselves, and then feeling like you need to fix them. You have to find them the help that they need that they can't get. And then there's another side of codependency, which is the other end of the spectrum. Maybe you have a family member who's sick, and you have to be the primary caretaker, and you're kind of giving up your identity a bit because you are around the clock needing to care for this person. So there's different facets of codependency, but up to 90% of us have those traits. So what are some signs you can tell you're codependent? <laughs> well, people pleasing is a big one. So ever feel like you are saying yes to someone, but really you want to say no, and then you end up showing up, and you feel a bit resentful, like, why am I here? I didn't even want to come here. Well, I always say that people-pleasing is a lack of boundaries. So not having any boundaries, needing to make sure people are happy around you, a.k.a. putting yourself last and not first. Neglecting your own needs is another big one. Being in relationships with people who are untreated alcoholics or untreated addicts of some sort aren't taking care of their depression and have severe anxiety, mental health issues that just are not being addressed. And you find yourself in this place of spinning and feeling like you have to control it all. All of those different types of examples are codependent. And sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it looks like needing to be perfect. Maybe that's at work, not even in like your relationship, but at work, you need to be perfect for your boss or you need to have that perfect relationship. Hashtag Instagram goals, right? Where people always are trying to show up and look a certain way and make everything look pretty and perfect on the outside. Whereas I know this, you know this, everybody knows this. Relationships are not always perfect. They're up and down and they're give and take and 
there isn't this perfect Instagram picture that is your life. So it's needing to have this filter of the way you look or the way you're perceived by people. Maybe it's also feeling like you're not enough and you need other people to validate that worth. All of those different types of ways are examples that maybe you are codependent. Mm. So how does someone shift that? And you mentioned self-love, right? What does that look like? I always say that the relationship with yourself is key because the foundation of self-love and self-care and self-worth is what's going to carry you through healthy relationships with people. You set the tone for the relationship with yourself, which means you set the tone for the relationship with other people. And you teach people how to treat you. With all of that being said, self-love is the foundation. It is the root. If you want to be in a loving, healthy relationship, you've got to love yourself. Because when you are going after other relationships like I did once or like I see my clients doing or have done before, where they're trying to fill this void, you're trying just to fill this void of lack of self-love and lack of self-worth, and you're looking for that in others. Well, only if they just loved me, I would be worthy. I would be enough. And doing that is insanity because it's expecting, it's expecting different results, right? It's doing that same thing over and over again, expecting different results when it comes to love, but getting the same thing, which is probably not a healthy relationship. It's probably chaos. It's probably conflict that never feels to, like it can be managed. All of those different types of things. So it's really at the root of self-love. All of this is at the root of self-love. So what, when you say self-love, right, what is it that a person gets to do right now to start practicing that? It's showing up for yourself. What needs have you been neglecting? And I'm not talking about putting on a DIY facial or getting your nails done, those types of things. I'm talking about <laughs> are you eating your three meals a day? Are you going to bed and getting enough sleep so you can show up the next day? Are you getting out and exercising or going for walks? Are you practicing mindfulness? Is your mental health in a healthy place? All of those things are loving yourself. I mean, those are the core of what gets us going as humans, what keeps us in check. And when you honor yourself and you put your priorities, your basic human needs first, that's a way to start loving yourself. I mean, that, there is no, no amount of facials and blowouts and <laughs> massages are going to fill those basic needs and those voids for you until you are ready to step in it yourself and do that work. And the other thing as well is the idea of you have to love yourself in order to love others, in order for others to love you is kind of a black and white statement because sometimes you might not realize, oh, I don't really love myself so much, but I'm in a relationship and I do feel loved, but I can allow myself the space to work on this because self-love is a journey and it's forever evolving. It's always changing. And I think that you never get, quote unquote, get self-love. You're always on that journey, on that path, seeking it, 
going toward it, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work for yourself, and reevaluating it from there. So what are some signs that you can look for to really tell if a relationship with a particular person is not right? Are you happy? Do you feel like your happiness is compromised? Do you feel like you're making excuses to yourself, to friends? Do you feel like your friends and family maybe don't approve of your relationship? And this is beyond just, oh, they're not really fond of him, but they're like, oh, I see serious concern. Do you feel like you're in a cycle, in this pattern, and you feel like you're stuck, you can't get out of it? And I'm not talking about just like an argument cycle or some way that you guys have something that keeps coming up and it's kind of bothering you too, but something that feels like, okay, we finally got over it. It's done. Like, we can put it to rest. It's not going to happen again. And then it starts creeping back up and it happens again. And it's almost as if your arguments or conflicts feel like events. They feel like this is it. This, just, this event is happening and that's it. This is the end all be all. So being in a codependent relationship also means losing a sense of yourself. So maybe reflecting on your own self. You don't really hang out with the friends that you used to hang out. Or you're not doing things that you should be doing that help with your sanity or self-care or self-love. All of those different types of things are signs that maybe the relationship isn't the healthiest. Maybe there is some codependency there. And it's also a way to also tell if this is showing up, right? Like the word, um, the self-worth, right? That's maybe not there that, you know, the person gets to work on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that when you are showing up and you are able to work on things in the relationship and together, and sometimes it's just you're working on your own part and your partner isn't there yet, ready to meet you at working on it, that's okay. As long as you're in a safe place to be able to work on yourself, to be able to work on the relationship, you're moving forward in it. And the other thing as well is that I don't look at every codependent relationship as a failure. If you look at all of us, up to 90% of us are codependent. So that would mean that 90% of relationships, oh, they're unhealthy, they're not, you know, this shouldn't be, you shouldn't be dating the person. It's when you get to that side of the spectrum that I talked about before, where it's just so out of control, it's so unmanageable, it's insanity, that you have to really reevaluate that relationship. But the other thing as well is that you could use a perfect example where I've had clients. One wasn't sober, the other person was the codependent in the relationship of, oh, falling around the person kind of thing, trying to make sure that they weren't drinking, making up excuses, further behavior, that kind of thing. And eventually that person got sober, they did their work. So the person who was codependent then had to shift their perspective. They had to work on themselves. It's easy when you're in a relationship, maybe people who've dated addicts to point your finger and say they were the problem. But your reactions, your triggers were also a problem that fed into that relationship. So codependency is not a one-way street. It is a both-way street. It's what I talk about in my book, Contagious Love, where you've got to focus on your own needs, what you've got to do to get yourself together for the relationship. And if both partners are willing to work on it, even one partner is willing to work on it, the dynamic will 100% change. When one person starts to shift the way that they react to things, the way that they're triggered, then it will 110% shift the relationship dynamic. But I can also mean, and I can also mean that, you know, the relationship may eventually just dissolve, right? 
that can also there's no guarantees there's no guarantees there's there's no guarantees any relationship could dissolve you could be married to somebody for 20 years have lived with them for 10 years prior to that okay so now you're together for 30 years but married for 20 and the relationship excuse my language, but go to shit, right? Like all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, we just have gone on all this time. We've grown so apart. Somebody does something and it throws the relationship lopsided and you're both like, okay, this is it. I'm done. I'm out. Right. Or you could be with somebody who you just met four months ago and all of a sudden you're like, we're moving in together. It's amazing. And you guys are together the rest of your life. I mean, there's no guarantees in relationships. But what I think is important is that if you're willing to do the work and your partner's willing to do the work, and sometimes you're willing to do the work at different times, you have to have patience there. You can't control an outcome. But to know that you guys are both willing to do the work, I think is what constitutes a healthier relationship and being able to work through your things and not be able to push each other out when something comes up and happens. So what I'm getting also is like, you know, when, when choosing a partner, especially for long term, these are the some things you want to look to see that person has. Like, are they into personal growth? Do they like learning and growing? Or, you know, are they taking care of themselves? Are they, you know, who are they for other people? I mean, would you say these are also some things um, when deciding for a long term relationship with someone that you want to look for? Anytime that I start working with a client, I make them write out and we do this together we write out a needs wants and deal breaker list and we're not just talking like a short little one we are talking extensive we look at each one why are they on the list is any of it fear-based thinking is any of it because past history and you're trying to control the future i mean all of these things we go over an extensive list because i think it's essential to really take time to get to know somebody if you're going to be with somebody and you are meant to be with them, and I look at this as a spiritual way and whatever spiritual practice you have, whether you call it a higher power, God, universe, whatever it is, you will be with them. You don't have to worry about that. What you need to worry about is your part in getting to know somebody, coming together, learning, does this person really have what I want? When the infatuation stage phases out, when the honeymoon stage phases out, when you experience all the phase outs and you're left with this person exactly who they are with no crazy hormone and adrenaline running off, you know, getting, giving you that natural high being around this person, you get to know them. And in that moment and in those times, it's important to decide, do they hit all my qualifications of what I need and I want in the partner? Am I being honest with myself during this process? So when that stage is when that stage hits, is it important that you're saying that um, you know this person's also willing to do the work? I think ultimately the work has to be done to some extent, and whatever people define that as doing the work, it looks different to others. Some people are open to couples therapy, some people aren't. Some people are open to just individual therapy, but don't want to do couples therapy. Some people are open to just coaching and they just want to coach. I mean, I work with tons of women who are in relationships or just dating um, and maybe their partner isn't ready to yet. Or maybe their partner has done the work or is doing it simultaneously as they're also doing it. I think what's important is that you work through things as a couple, as a unit, as a team together. 
and if there is no linear way of working through things, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. And it can feel disappointing. It can feel like, oh, we were making these changes and progress, and I feel back to where it was before. But those are just fear-based thoughts of, oh, it's back to where it was before. Because if you've already worked through and you've pushed through together in some sort of awareness in a relationship, you are only moving forward. So when you think you've moved back, that's just a trigger from the past. You're taking history, something historical. If it's hysterical, it's historical. You're taking something historical and bringing it to the present. And so I think what's important is that both people have an understanding and patience of wanting to work on a relationship, wanting to move it forward with the same common goal. And would you also say that it's important that you're in a relationship with someone who's open to communication and open to, you know, uh, you know, being vulnerable and also, you know, allowing you to feel that safety in return that you can communicate openly without attack or, you know, but just like really what's there for you. Isn't that also a, a vital um, part of healing that someone is there to listen and not judge, criticize? Absolutely. Absolutely. You need that safe place. And all of those things that you just listed brings me back to the word trust, where trust is the foundation of healthy relationships. You have to have trust in relationships. If you don't have trust, then there's going to be things that feel very off with you and with your partner. And a lot of times when you don't trust your partner, you aren't trusting yourself. And so in order to feel vulnerable, in order to feel safe, you've got to have a level of trust. You have to have that foundation. And the thing as well is that sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's really scary to trust others especially when we're being vulnerable and we really love them and maybe we've been abandoned in the past emotionally or physically. And there's some fear in that. And I have clients who have experienced having fear with trusting their partner. And the thing is, is that when you push away trust, you push away connection in a relationship. You push away the number one desire in humans, which is connection. And when you do that, you don't have that foundation. You don't have that strength to get to know, to grow, to allow yourself to work through things. And a lot of times, too, clients who have been burned in the past, who have experienced heartbreak, abandonment, all of those things, sometimes don't want to open themselves up to trusting. They second-guess themselves. They create that story of, oh, gosh, like, here I go again, and this isn't going to work, and, oh, you know, this is it. I found evidence that this person is doing this, so therefore I was right. Okay, now I have my outcome. I have my control. But ultimately you actually are only doing a big disservice to yourself when you don't allow yourself to trust. And this is where I bring in let go and let God. And like I shared earlier, spirituality can be whatever you want. It can be religion, spirituality. It can be your house plant. Just knowing, okay, my house plant, I didn't create it, right? <laughs> Having trust, trust in something like that, right? But – it's bringing it back to let go and let God. All your part is, is to connect. And no matter what in life, even if you trusted and it didn't work out, that's the worst case scenario, at least you're able to allow yourself to grow in that space and to connect and to learn how to open yourself up for connection. Because when you stop yourself from trusting, you build that big wall, that barrier up, and it stops yourself from love, stops yourself from excitement, from fun, and it's a way to manage control, which only does the disservice to yourself. 
you just that was beautifully said Carlisle without without trust there's no connection and I think that sometimes you know I, I you know that's something I developed with myself in realizing wow why is this not relationship not working or what is wrong with me or you know what's going on here but you just mentioned if there's no trust there's no connection right and that's powerful right. thank you so how can people connect yeah. with you Carla well, you can find me on the IG, Instagram at I am Carla Romo. You can also find me at my website, which is IamCarlaRomo.com. There's a theme there, I am Carla Romo. <laughs> and you can also check out my book on my website, which I offer a discount. So if you listen right now and you're like, oh, I also want to find copy, you can go ahead and order my book off my website and go ahead and write in the message that you heard me on this podcast and I will sign off the book and mail it out to you. And the other thing as well is that I have a Facebook group. It's called Love Life Cheerleader. I'm also coined as a Love Life Cheerleader because I always help women in any aspect of their dating life, relationships, breakups, cheering you on along the way. And that group is Love Life Cheerleader. It's on Facebook. I'm going to type that in, and I always share some tips, some advice. Sometimes I only share in that group. I don't share outside of that group. So it's pretty exclusive to who I'm sharing it to. Awesome. What was the name of your book again, Carla? It is Contagious Love, Break Free from Codependency for Damn Good. Contagious Love. I love it. Awesome. Yes. And you're also offering a great discount on your website, you said? And yes. Yep. If you opt into the email, you can download Chapter 1. It will give you a discount code in that email, and you can go ahead and put it in and order the book. Awesome. Well, hey, Carla, it was a pleasure having you on here today, and thank you for making a difference. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Jamie Show. To be a guest on the show, visit jamiehirsch.com and fill out the application. You can follow The Jamie Show on Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another Breakthrough Conversation.